Sarayim Tov to everyone as we continue the Sefer Bayam Darkecha, talking about Shabbos. And we've been, uh, yesterday, we continued the discussion of the importance of being particular in following halacha and why that's so important in keeping Shabbos. And it, it's not enough to just say, oh, I love Hashem, but I don't have to keep Shabbos. We have to see how important that is and why that is. We want to be particular in areas that need to be to fulfill the halacha precisely as possible. So now he explains with a beautiful allegory how this helps us to appreciate the Shabbos. So we're on page Shin Tzadi Beis, section Yud Beis. He tells us a rule. Keeping the halachas of Shabbos should be compared to a kli, a utensil, that will hold the light of Shabbos. And the utensil is very important and very necessary. And in a certain way, in a certain way, the utensil is more necessary than the light. Now listen to this, what do you call it, dialectic, the two, the two different aspects here. On the one hand, what's more important? The utensil to hold the light or the light? Obviously the light. What do you want? You want the light. Let's say you have a kerosene lamp. Now what do you want? A kerosene lamp or the light that's in the lamp? You want the light that's in the lamp. But the problem is if I don't have a kerosene lamp, I can't catch any light. So though the lamp, the cleat, is not more valuable, but it's more necessary. If you have to have a choice, you can have a fire that's in the middle of the air that will go out in five seconds, or a kerosene lamp without the fire. Which is more important to have, Marshall? The kerosene lamp, because one day you'll, you'll get some oil and you'll have a fire, but you have no kerosene lamp. You could have all the oil in the world, all the matches in the world, nothing's gonna go. Now, that's a very interesting way of dividing this. On the one hand, the, the utensil is more important, but it's not more valuable than the fire. The fire is valuable. That's the value. The value is the light that it gives. The kerosene lamp, by definition, doesn't give any light, doesn't light but it can hold the light. So we have importance versus value, and the truth is you need both. But we gotta know which is the more valuable thing, the light, which is more important, the cleat. So now, what is following the halacha? Following the halacha is creating the cleat, the vessel that can hold the light. If you don't keep Shabbos, you don't have a you don't have a lamp. Where's the light gonna come to? So therefore, if a person, God forbid, desecrates the halacha of Shabbos by thinking, well, the main thing is I have to love Hashem. I love Hashem. I, I, I love him. We're so close. You know, you hear people who are quote unquote uh, spiritual people, and they say, I really believe in God. And they pray to God and all these things. But they don't keep halacha. If you don't keep halacha, 
Well, but but I love it. So you know what it is? You got fire without a utensil. This is not there. You're not, you're not illuminated by the relationship. And that comes from the Yetzir Hara. He fools you. Because when a Yetzir sees that you're feeling a little bit about Hashem, so he figures, okay, I can't stop him from loving Hashem. I'll get him out of the other end. I'll make sure he doesn't create the utensil to hold the relationship. And therefore, let him love Hashem all day long, but let him not do any mitzvahs. There's no way to hold on to the relationship. But a person who truly seeks out Hashem and is looking for God's ultimate true will and not just to feel the light, but to know to not move an inch away from halacha and all the times of how we have to follow halacha. Just like, can you start a Seder at 6.30 before nightfall? No, but if we do a Seder, we talk about the Jews going out of Egypt, and we're doing everything. We got gotcha, everything. It's mamish. We felt so spiritual. Yeah, there's some light, but it doesn't go into the utensil. It's not retained. It doesn't stay. What if, oh, I want to say Shema. Every day you got to say Shema, but you got to say it by the end of the third hour, right? Whatever, I don't know what time, by 10.07. By 10, what do you say, Shema at 12 o'clock? What do you mean? I, I, I said Shema. Yeah, but not at the right time. I, the fact you see certain tzaddikim Kabbalistically do things, okay, we're not, we don't learn from them. They're, it's a whole different world. It's not something for us to, to be into. We have to follow the halacha. If you don't follow, you have a pair of tefillin, you haven't checked them in 50 years, and you know what? They were never kosher. So what happened to your utensil? There's no utensil. There's nothing to grab the light. So this is very obvious, but we see that this is a great test for people. That's why the author says it's so obvious, but I have to explain it. If you really want to search out Hashem, you have to be careful not to fall into the traps because Yeshua's got all kinds of traps. And Hashem is checking a person at all times. Are you trustworthy? Are you loyal to Hashem truly? Or are you just looking for the light? Oh, I want that flash of light. It's interesting. I'm reading the book on... Rabbi Shlomo, what's his last name again? Freifeld. He was the founding Rosh Yeshiva, the Yeshiva Shar Yoshev. That's in the five towns today. He founded the Yeshiva sometime in the late 60s, I believe. He passed away in 1990. And he didn't he opened the Shiva not for the elitists? It was for anybody. Anybody. If you were smart, good. If you went off the derech, you can come. There's only one thing he said you have to have. You have to want to learn. You could be very not talented. You could be as dumb as a doorknob. But do you want to learn? He'll take you. So, one time, his most famous potential student, believe it or not, 
was Bob Dylan. You know who Bob Dylan is? Yeah. He comes to the Yeshiva Shar Yashiv. He want he heard about it. So he wants to talk to the Rashiva. Talk to Rashiva. Very impressive person. And Bob Dylan says, you know, I'd like to attend your yeshiva. Oh man. Now, if he can be Makar of Bob Dylan, do you know how much money he'll donate to the yeshiva? And it's like, if you're Makar of Bob Dylan, you know what the ripple effect could be? So he said, he said like this, he says, he could join the yeshiva. But Bob Dylan says, but I want to go home every night to my house. He was also lived in the New York area. He said, no, that he can't have. If he wants to be in the yeshiva, he has to be like a regular guy, has to be in the dorm with a regular dorm mate. And Bob Dylan said, I can't do that. So the Rashiva said, okay, then I guess you're not committed enough. So what's the point? The point is, Torah has a lot of light. And I'm sure Bob Dylan was attracted to the light. But the Rashiva said, we're not here just to show you the light. We want that light to be part of you and you should absorb the light and hold the light and shine it for others. But if you're not prepared to make the right utensil, you can't get the light. You know, as long as you're in yeshiva, you're going to be keeping Torah mitzvahs to some extent. Even Bob Dylan. But once he goes home, who knows what he's going to do at home. So there's no there's no utensil. You got to have the utensil. And the Rashi was so sincere and honest, no matter how good it would have been for PR and everything else in yeshiva, he said, the real point is, I, my job is to teach people Torah and, and, and that they become close to Hashem. You don't have to be smart. You got to want to be close to Hashem. You got to want to learn Torah. You got to want to succeed. And therefore, that light is so important. Right? If you're really looking for the truth, it's not the light per se. It's that the light becomes part of who you are. Everyone likes to look, you know, everyone likes looking at fireworks, don't they? It's nice. It's fireworks. Boom, boom, boom. But as soon as the fireworks are over, there's nothing left. But Hashem wants the light to be inside of us. How is that? We have to make the receptacle inside of us. And how do you make the receptacle? That's called Torah and mitzvahs and working on your mitos. So Hashem checks a person all the time. Are you trusty and loyal for the truth? Or are you just looking for the sparks and successes in life? And you can check this out two ways. How do we know you're sincere or not? Number one is you don't denigrate halacha. That's clear halacha. If this is the law and there's no way out of it, you got to do it. On the other hand, let's say we talked about yesterday, there's humrus, stringencies, beyond what the law requires. And the person wants to do all those humrus, even though it makes him unhappy, that also shows you're not being loyal. You're more, you're more worried about the utensil. And not only are you saying is the utensil more important, you're saying the utensil is more valuable than the light. 
So that you're not really looking for the light. You're not really looking for Hashem. And in footnote, Rish Nuntes, he says, people on high levels, it's a big test. Because you know what Hashem wants. And Hashem wants us to go beyond the external halacha. And you have to nullify your intellect and subjugate yourself before Hashem. And, and the minute that you, uh, that what you understand contradicts the halacha, you know that your mind is nothing. Okay. And that's why you have, for example, the famous story when Yeshaya the Navi came to Chizkiyo HaMelech. Chizkiyo HaMelech was sick. Yeshaya came. He says, you're going to die in this world and you're going to die in the next world. Now, Chizkiyo was a great, great king. He inherited a kingdom that was full of idol worship and he changed the entire Jewish will. They all did shuv. His father was terrible. They all did shuv under his reign. So then pre, the Navi says, you're going to die this world and the next world. He says, what? What did I do? He says, you never got married. You never want to have children. That's a terrible error. You're going to get punished. He said, hold on then. I got an answer to that. Yeah, what's your answer? King Hiskio was not just a king in Atzadik. He also was a little bit of a Navi too. He says, I see in the future. If I get married, I will have a child who's going to be even worse than my father. And as much as it would be, be very nice for me to get married, and it would be very nice to have a child, but I know at the end, he's going to undo everything I did and make it ten times worse. So the Navi answers him. And, 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 and what was Chizkiyo saying? I know what the ultimate will of Hashem is. What's the ultimate will of Hashem? It's that you should be close to Hashem. It's not just about doing mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are very important. And they're an important tool. But it's an external. So I'm going to do a tool. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. But you know what's going to happen? It's going to be the worst thing for the Jewish people. And the truth is the Jews never recovered from that son. And we never got back on track and ultimately the base of was destroyed. So he was right in every aspect. Now he says, you're still wrong. Why? Because the things that are beyond what you can understand, you've got to leave it up to God. God wants to know one thing. Are you loyal or not? So Hiskia saying, I'm more loyal to God than God is. Oh, that's a big mistake. God says, you do what I say. And if you think I'm a cuckoo God and I don't know what I'm talking about, too bad. What really is important is loyalty to Hashem. Loyalty to the light. And not making your most fancy utensil a receptacle for the light. And that's the problem when you're really very religious. Okay? And therefore, what the, what the, the but what Hashem wants is to have children. Even if you know they're going to be Rishoyim. So he says, that's not your job. Do what you're told to do and let Hashem make all the calculations. So he did Shuva. He married. Who did he marry? Isaiah's daughter. 
I have two powerhouses. Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets who ever lived. Chizkiyot, arguably one of the greatest Jewish kings who ever lived. And they had a daughter. He had a daughter. <coughs> and who comes out of that? The worst Jew, Jewish king ever. Menashe. So you guys, Hashem doesn't know what he's doing. Hashem knows exactly what he's doing. Why did that happen? Hashem knows it all. You see, the problem is, even we think only people who are not committed to Hashem make these mistakes. No, Chizkiyot is really committed. There's no, no one could doubt his sincerity, his love for Hashem and everything. But the Navi says you can love it. But if you don't do what Hashem says, even with the best of calculations, here is he saying, I don't want the base to be destroyed. That's the only reason. I'm not, it's, it's, I'm not getting anything out of this. So who is his kid? His Kiyahu. No, who is his kid? Menashe. Yeah, not the same one, obviously. No, no, no. The wicked, wicked, wicked. And you know how bad Menashe was? Oh. After Chizkiyo died, and he got really bad, and he didn't like when people criticized him. The prophet Isaiah criticized him. Now, he's not just a prophet. He's Menashe's grandfather. He killed him. <laughs> Boy, it looks like God's ideas don't look like they work. Look what happened. He listened to God. He had Menashe, and Menashe killed his grandfather. You know what? It's that's not the our, it's not our issue to figure it out. We have to follow what the Lord says. <clears throat> and the Navi <coughs> said, "I'm explaining to you what the Lord. I understand why you did what you did, but now you got to understand. Hashem wants this to be." And therefore, you got to understand. So therefore, a lot of times we try to do certain things we think we're going to help the Jewish people. Let's say you want to be makar of Jews. You want to bring Jews close to Hashem. So we'll go from one shlomo to another shlomo. There was Reb Shlomo Freifeld and Reb Shlomo Kalbach, the singer. Shlomo Kalbach was a lover of Jews, you're not going to find too many people who love Jews more than him. A sincere lover of Jews. He'd get, he give the shirt off his back for a Jew. He'd give the, all the money he had. He get, gave away tons of money in his life. He he went out for one purpose only, to bring Jews closer to Yishkan. He went to places nobody would go. He went to San Francisco in the 50s, 60s going into the slime pit of San Francisco spiritually, and he made Jews, had Jews become observant. We have no idea how many hundreds of thousands of Jews he brought closer to God. Hashem gave him a lot of talents. There's one thing he did that was not correct. He was not careful in the mitzvah of Shomer Nagia, of touching women. He, we're not saying he Hashem did anything nefarious, but if he'd see a, a secular woman would come, he felt she needed a hug because she, nobody loves her. He would give them a hug. Now, that is 100% against halacha. Now, it could be even the hugs 
inspired these people to become religious. And maybe they even became more religious than Shlomo Kabbach. But this was a, a big mistake. You can't justify things if you're violating halacha. Now, where there's areas to be lenient, you could be lenient. But where it's clear, the halacha says, a man cannot hug a woman, period, unless it's his wife or children or grandmother. Nobody else gets a hug. You could speak nicely to them, be courteous with them. So, listen, it's not our place to judge. He accomplished a lot. It's only Hashem's place to judge. But still, the criticism that the mainstream Jews had about him was you're not following halacha. Now, he's very particular in many, many halachas. He was particular in kashras. He was particular in Shabbos. He's particular in a lot of things. Is it this thing? How else, if I don't show her that I love her, we're going to lose her to Yiddishkeit. And the most important thing, he loved Hashem so much, he wanted every Jew to serve Hashem. Somehow he rationalized it in his mind. And he may have had success, but God said, that's not the way I want you to have success. And if these people are not going to be brought close to you, they're not going to be close to you. Now, the problem is people criticized him, and as they say, they threw the baby out with the bathwater. Therefore, they felt we shouldn't do any Kiruv at all. <laughs> no, you could have tried to influence him to change, whatever. whatever. But I'm just saying, you see the differences. If the goal is to do the will of Hashem, that becomes the goal. And if the will of Hashem is different than your will, and you figure if I listen to Hashem, will fail, it doesn't matter. You have to listen to Hashem. That's why halacha, you cannot break any... Now, once it's a chumrah, once that... Okay, there's opinions that you could legitimately be lenient in a particular situation. There are rabbis who say you can legitimately, according to halacha, be lenient over here. So then we can be lenient. But if there's no such aspect then you're not allowed to do that. You follow? There was a, uh, a certain from person who uh, had great disabilities, great physical disabilities that hampered his ability to do mitzvahs in a regular way. I don't remember which rabbi he consulted. Either it was Reb Chaim Kanievsky, somebody like that of that statue. And he really had trouble. He's in a wheelchair, like all kinds of issues. So he uh, would ask him, Shilas, you know, do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? Because it's just like almost impossible to do it. You know, he needs leniencies. Just this physical debilitation required it. So he asked Rebchaim a number of questions. Rebchaim gave him answers. He leaves but then it's really disturbing him. He's saying, and he said, I have to go, and for him just to go from his house to Reb Chaim was not an easy thing. That itself was Masiris Nefesh, the pain physically just to be able to move and all this. So, so one time Reb Chaim gave him the answer. He says, you could, he said, really? Is this the halacha? This is the halacha. 
for sure, Rebbe, this is Salah, I don't have to do this. You know, you don't have to do this, that's Salah. Goes home. It's bothering him. He comes back. He says, I want to know, is this the real halacha? Or are you just saying because you know I'm so incapacitated that I won't be able to do it? In other words, is this the real halacha for me? Or are you just having rechmanus on me? And you're just saying, I, I can't live up to the real halacha. So Rebbe Chaim said, no, 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 this is the real halacha. This is the real halacha and not to be mach. So then somebody asked him, why did he bother to come back? Rav Chaim already said you could do it. He said, because I don't want people to think that I'm limited. Because I'm limited, it's all, because I'm limited, I don't have to do what I have to do. I don't know that that's the halacha that's saying that this is what the will of Hashem is. And if the will of Hashem is I should be stricter, I happily will do it as hard as it is. And if Reb Chaim is saying, no, for you this is the halacha, and that's the will of Hashem. Sometimes the will of Hashem, you, we get older in life. We get older in life, and it could be when we're in our 80s and 90s or 100s, our health may not be 100%. And what's going to happen? The doctor says we should not fast on Yom Kippur. Our hearts are weak. And we could collapse on Yom Kippur. You go to the rabbi. Say, rabbi, the doctor said I should eat on Yom Kippur. Should I listen to the rabbi? The doctor, the doctor the rabbi says, yes, listen to the rabbi. Now, there was such a story that happened in the retirement world of Florida where there was such a story where there was a particular Jew who uh, fasted his whole life and he was told by the doctor he should eat. Goes to the rabbi, the rabbi says you should eat. When the rabbi found out, the guy says, I don't care what the doctor says, what the rabbi says, I never ate my life, and I'm not going to start to eat now in Yom Kippur. And if I die, I'll die. So the rabbi found out about this. And the rabbi told the Gaboy, you over to him, and you tell him that if he fasts on Yom Kippur, he's never going to get an Ali in this shul again. If he fasts on Yom Kippur. Tell the guy, the guy's upset. He goes to the rabbi, what a chutzpah. He said, I don't understand. Why is that a chutzpah? What do you mean? Just because I'm going to fast you, I don't get an aliyah? He says, we don't give aliyahs to heretics. I'm not a heretic. Oh, yes, you are. If the doctor and the rabbi said, you eat on Yom Kippur, we're telling you, not just the idea, you were telling you, that's the will of Hashem. And if you don't want to do the will of Hashem, then you're a heretic. And you don't deserve to get an aliyah. Well, the end of the story is, the guy said, okay, Rabbi, I'll eat on Yom Why? Because is it just about making the utensil? Or is it wanting to have the light in the utensil? What is it about? 
Everyone says, wow, I fasten Yom Kippur. Boy, that's light. That's light. I feel like an age. But if the mitzvah is to eat on Yom Kippur, it's the same light. And if you want to be strict on yourself, you know what you're doing? You're doing a sin and you're breaking the utensil. You think the utensil is everything. The utensil is not everything. The utensil is not everything. It's it's all about the light and wanting to be close to the light, but you have to have a utensil that will enable the light to come in. And therefore, if on Shabbos, there's certain halachas about Shabbos, you got to keep them. And if you don't, that means you're not interested in being close to Hashem. You're interested in the utensil and not in the light. And therefore, we end off with a summary of this chapter. And we said that being careful on locha is the foundation. And then he lists the details of why, just to quickly review. Doing an avera is like taking poison. Doing mitzvahs is like taking vitamins. And we know that if someone would tell you, oh, I think this food has, uh, what do you call it, E. coli, you're not gonna eat it, right? Well, doing an avera is poison. So if you're taking poison, what is up if you're going to love Hashem on Shabbos? You're poisoning yourself. Number two, now you're poisoning yourself, you're destroying the spiritual worlds. And if you're destroying Hashem's worlds, how is that in the spirit of Shabbos, where Shabbos says that Hashem runs everything? And you have to understand, number three, that a king does not love somebody who doesn't listen to what the king asks. How can God, you want Hashem to be close and love to you? Hashem doesn't love people who don't listen to him. And also the fourth thing, someone who really loves Hashem feels in his heart the will of Hashem and he wants to make the king happy. He's happy with the king's will exactly as it tells him. And fifth, in general, you have to remember that the first feeling, the fundamental feeling of inner service to Hashem is the feeling of accepting the yoke of heaven and being very exact in the halacha, that that's not an external point, but it's the foundation that will bring out inner feelings that come from the feeling of accepting the yoke of heaven. And someone who strengthens himself to learn Torah and to fulfill it, then he'll get divine assistance to succeed. As we find that a person should always daven, that Hashem should help him succeed. And not to think, God forbid, that it's his abilities to succeed alone. But to know, you got to make the effort, okay? But after you make the effort, at the end of the day, it all depends on what Hashem wants. And we have to ask Hashem to have kindness on us, to give us success in our ways. And that's all for the main Iker Halacha, the main Halacha. But what has to do with Chumrah, stringencies, to do stringencies that are not necessary to fulfill the mitzvah or to be strict in an area where there's doubt, but according to the law, you can be lenient. On the one hand, stringencies are fine, they're offense, they protect you from the klipas. It shows your love to Hashem. That's good, and it gives Hashem nachas. But on the other hand, it brings you to sadness and neuroses. And to lose your connection to Hashem, the loss of connection is much worse, and you lose more from that than trying to follow the halacha. And certainly stringencies and concerns that brings a purple person to depression, 
and bad feelings and thinking that Judaism is a heavy weight, that certainly is not the will of Hashem. But he should do what he can with Simcha, believe in Hashem, that he receives his service to Hashem. And he should always thank Hashem that Hashem has given me the ability to serve him in every way possible. And sometimes the lenient way is the best way. With that, we end this chapter. And tomorrow, Mr. Shem, we move into the idea of Oneg Shabbos.